If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James. We are, we're starting a brand new series. We're in James, and I am, uh, I'm really excited about the book of James. Just a show of hands, I'm just curious. How many of you have done a Bible study in the book of James at some point? Yeah, okay, a lot. That's what I was guessing. That's awesome. Um, how many of you would say, like, James is one of your favorite books of the Bible? Okay, yeah, but a lot of people. Okay, would anybody even go as far to say as it's their favorite book? Oh, it's like a tie for you. I get that. I get that. That's all right. That's all right. It's like picking your favorite child. I understand. You're not supposed to do it. Um, well, is there anyone that would be willing? I don't normally do this, but is there anyone that would just say in like a sentence or two, like, why do you love James? Anybody willing to do that really loud for everyone to hear? Yeah. Practical. Not in a sentence, but you nailed it. It is practical. Yes. Any, anybody else? Why they love James? Yes, we need wisdom, right? Yes, we don't want to be fools. Yeah. Yeah, ooh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, if you, if you want to remain lukewarm, James isn't the book for you. That's, that's, that's good, that's good. Well, uh, James, uh, James was written back in the 40s, and that almost sounds like I'm talking 1940s. Obviously, I'm not. Um, it, it was written really, really early. It would have been circulating at some point, uh, like we were just in Acts. It would have been circulating by Acts chapter 15, it, it, at least, if not a, a little bit before that. So if you do have your Bibles, please open up to the book of James. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, a physical Bible, and you want one, we have them out in, in the hall there. You can grab one on your way out. We would, I'd love to need to buy more Bibles. So if you want one, they're, they're blue, they're hardbacks. We, we would love that. Um, I'm just going to start with unpacking the first verse. We're going to spend a lot of time just, just thinking about what, what we see in this very first verse. And if you're like me, I tend to skip intros, right? Whether it's um, a, a book outside of the Bible that I'm reading or, or in the Bible, I don't skip it. But if I'm honest, I'm kind of looking beyond the intro because I think the meat is, is, is further into the book. Man, I don't want to do that, right? Every time I do, I'm like, ah, oh, no, there's, there's so much here and including in James. So verse one says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, Greetings. So who is James? Well, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And I know I mentioned this several weeks ago, but in case you weren't here, uh, James, he, he did not believe that Jesus was God. He did not believe that, uh, that Jesus was the Messiah. During, during his earthly ministry, right, about a three-year period, he didn't believe. His siblings didn't believe. And, and the Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, and John, all make it pretty clear that, that they did not believe. Him and his siblings mocked Jesus. At one point, they're, they're trying to seize him, which you can understand, right? Your brother claims to be God. That sounds like a delusion of grandeur, right? Like that's what we would call that today. So they're, they're trying to seize him. They would have institutionalized him if they could have. Um, and then Jesus died and, and was buried. And then we find out that James came to believe, and I, I know I said this just a few weeks ago, quoting uh, James Warner Wallace, but he, he asked the question, what would have to happen for your brother to convince you that he's God? Well, 
James needed Jesus to rise from the dead. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, Paul lists off all these different people that the, resurrection, or the resurrected Jesus had appeared to, and James was one of them. And after the resurrection, clearly everything changed for James. We find James in Acts chapter 1. He's in the upper room uh, praying with his mother and with the rest of the disciples. Um, by Acts 12, he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, if you remember when Peter was released from prison. And then, and then by Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem council, James, is he's the one chairing that council. We think about the unique view that James had of Jesus, right? Only a handful of people got the view of Jesus that, that James did, right? All growing up, they lived in the same house together, right? They, they played together. They shared meal after meal together, right? He, he, watched, he watched his brother Jesus, you know, go, go from like a, a little boy to, to preteen to teen to, to a young man to an adult, right? I'm, I'm sure he, uh, alongside Jesus, learned about carpentry from, uh, from their father, Joseph. How many younger siblings in the room uh, had a hard time like living in the shadow of your older sibling, right? Anybody? A couple of you. Man, imagine being James, <laughs> right? Like you can just hear, you can hear James like talking to Mary and Joseph like, why doesn't Jesus ever get in trouble? You guys treat him like he's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> we do. But then like I mentioned, he came to know Jesus, his brother, as the Christ. Right, the one sent from God to, to save people. The one sent to show us how much the Father loves us. And so while being his brother, uh, it certainly was a, a unique position. Um, it, 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 I think there were some advantages, obviously, to being his brother. But at the same time, I, I wonder if it made believing a little bit harder. He still had to come to know Jesus as Lord. And, and he had to... He had to get past that this is, this is my brother. He had to come to believe that Jesus was God, that, that his death on the cross was sufficient to pay for his sins, right? That, that he, James, needed to repent of sin and turn to Jesus who he had grown up with. James was his brother, and yet he needed Jesus to save him, right? And in that way, we're just like James, so James comes to know Jesus. He, he, uh, he became known as, as James the Just, is what uh, a lot of people called him, a, a man of uh, just immense piety. And by that, I just mean deep religious devotion to God. Uh, one historian, he, he recorded this testimony of someone that I won't even try to pronounce their name. But he, he said James would enter the temple alone. He'd be found kneeling and praying for the forgiveness of people so much that his knees grew hard uh, like that of a camel, right? Because of his constant worship of God, kneeling and asking for forgiveness for the people. And, and then he goes on to say, from his excessive righteousness, he was called James the Just. Uh, James, uh, church tradition goes on uh, to tell us that James, James is martyred for his faith, right? He was, he was uh, thrown off the Temple Mount. Uh, he didn't die in that fall. And as they came to, uh, to finish him off, he, he, was, he was praying, Lord, forgive them. Forgive them for what they're doing. It's interesting to me that, that James, the brother of Jesus, doesn't mention that. 
that he's the brother of Christ in this introduction. If I was Jesus' brother, I would have name dropped like crazy. Right? If I came to know that he was God, you better believe everyone would know, yeah, I'm his brother. But he didn't do that. Right? James identifies as a servant of God the Father, of Jesus the Son. And really that word is it's stronger than servant. It's bond servant. It's, it's a slave. Right? There's, there's so much today, uh, so much emphasis put on our identity. And, and our identity is incredibly important. But, but that emphasis, it, it's, it's easy for that to just be rooted in pride. Right? The way of the world is to exalt itself. Right? There, there's not much humility that we see. And when we do see humility, a lot of times it's false humility. It's not genuine humility. And off the bat, if we're paying attention, James shows us the way of Jesus' people, right? That our aim is to not exalt ourselves, but to exalt Jesus, to point to him. He's the one we serve. He's the one that we live for. He's, he's the one that we should long to see exalted. And, and this world has always been a me, me, me world. Um, I, I wonder if it's worse now with with social media, it just seems like, it seems like we could not be more self-obsessed and self-exalting. But here, James, the brother of Jesus, the risen Lord, he, he doesn't play the, yeah, that's my brother card. He points us to Jesus, the risen Savior, and then James fades into the background so that all we see is Christ. I think you'll find that this book uh, is written very pastorally, right? There, there's, a, there's a pastoral heart in this, uh, in this book, in this letter. And you notice it's addressed to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. The Jews had, uh, had scattered, and this became known as the diaspora or the dispersion. It's, this first happened in 722 BC when the Assyrians deported the 10 northern tribes. And then in 586 BC, uh, the southern tribes, the two southern tribes, suffered the, the same fate at the hands of uh, Babylon. So the Jews are scattered all over the place, right? They're in, they're in Mesopotamia, they're uh, around the Mediterranean, they're in Asia Minor, uh, they're in Europe. If you remember in Acts, back in chapter 8, we, we see a, another scattering, another dispersion, right? We, we, see, um, we see Stephen's martyrdom and the first uh, massive wave of Christian persecution. So the Jewish Christians, they scatter, right? First to Judea, then Samaria, and beyond. And, and these Jewish Christians, they found that they were not accepted even by their Jewish kinsmen, right? They're rejected. They face persecution even from their own people. They were uh, often exploited by the Gentiles too. So many of them lost land, they, they lost possessions. They're taken to court by these Gentile elites. So many of them had a standing that was really less than that of slaves. And these are the people that James writes to, right, in his pastoral heart. And, and their lives were, were very, very difficult, right? It, it, was, it was hard following Jesus for these early Christians. And I think that we can uh, so often romanticize the early church, and just think, man, they did it all right. If that were the case, I'm not sure that we would have all the letters following Acts. I mean, we probably still would. But man, those letters are, are, are addressing all of these problems in the early church, right? They had 
issues, right? They had disagreements that they were passionate about. And some things were big things and, and, and some things were maybe littler things that they're blowing up over, right? They had parents in their gathering that, that man, they just felt like failures because their kids' lives were just train wrecks, right? They had, they had people in their churches that, that on the outside, they looked great, but they had these secret lives going on. Right, right this, these, these sin issues that they, they were n- not fighting, they were just indulging in and, and not letting anybody know. It was a hot mess. And James sends letters, or this letter, to the early churches. Uh, I think Lauren said the book of James is, is incredibly practical, and, and he's right. Uh, it's been called uh, the New Testament version of the book of Proverbs. Right? It's built, filled with wisdom, like, like Tristan said. And, and it's, just, it's just five chapters, right? It's, it's a pretty short letter, but in that five chapters, James gives us just this practical understanding of how we live out our faith in action. And, and so I hope that we will allow this, this book, this letter of James, by, by the power of the Spirit, that, that will allow God to, to shape us, right? To show us how to have this living and visible and productive faith in a fallen world. Again, just five chapters, but in those five chapters, there's 54 imperatives, right? Like it's packed with these imperatives. I I just mean, James says, do this, do that, right? Like he's he's telling us, this is how you live out your faith. Uh, Like I said, this was written before the Jerusalem Council, which took place in 49 AD. It's, it's, It's probably the earliest New Testament book. So what we get in the book of James is, is we're reading like some of the, the earliest thoughts and teachings in the church. So I love that we're coming out of Acts and, and now we're, we're going into this letter that, that was distributed through, uh, through that time of Acts. And I don't, know, uh, I don't know if this happens to you, but this happens to me all the time. I get together with other Christians, whether the people from our church or, or people from other churches that I know, we'll get together and one of us will say, man, I gotta tell you about this sermon I just heard or, or I gotta tell you about this book I just read or this, this podcast, right? And you're like, oh no, I haven't heard of that. And then they, they send it to you on, on their phone and, and you can picture like the early Christians, right? And maybe they're traveling for, for work and they meet another believer and they're like, oh man, you know Jesus. Have you read James' letter yet? They're like, no, I heard about it, but I haven't read it yet. And they're like, oh man, I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's crazy. Right? Like he starts off, he talks about how God uses trials, like what God's purpose is in that, and that we could have joy in that. Man, spoiler, he, he talks about our tongues and what we do with our words, and it's brilliant. He says it's, it, it's, like, it's like this giant ship, and, and, and there's this, this little rudder, and it, and it steers the whole thing. And, and our tongues, man, we could, we could set a whole forest ablaze. And Man, I'm telling you, like this book is helping me follow Jesus. Right? Like you, you can just imagine the early church and their excitement as this letter is passed around from church to church. And they would have gathered, you know, as these, these fellowships, they would have gathered and, and probably had a meal together and, and prayed together and sang together. And then someone would, would stand up and say, hey, man, we've got this letter from James. I'm going to read it to you. And, and they wouldn't just read the first verse like I did. Right? They'd, they'd read the entire letter of James. And we're not conditioned 
to have attention spans like, like that, right? These, these things have really shaped us, haven't they? Uh, we're, we're used to TikTok videos or, or short little reels or even if you're not into that, those things, like we're used to camera angles changing like every few seconds in a movie just because we're so easily bored. But, but what we're gonna do to start off this series is, is we're actually gonna, we're gonna hear the whole book right now. And, and I'm telling you, we can do this, right? It's gonna, it's gonna take about 16 minutes, but we're gonna dial in. We're gonna pretend it's an earlier time before all this technology. And, and we're gonna hear the, this, this book of James. Dan, Dan's gonna sit in the front row. He's gonna read this to us. And if you haven't opened your Bible yet, I want you to get it open. Right? I want you to follow along. If you have a Bible app, that's fine. It'll be on the screen too. Now, maybe some of you, maybe you actually need to close your eyes and that'll help you concentrate. For others, that would be like the worst decision you could make today and you'll just fall asleep. So don't do that, but I trust you. Do what you need to do. But here's what I want. As we hear the book of James read to us, I just want you to pay attention to, to what the Holy Spirit might be doing in you right, where the Holy Spirit might, might just kind of prick your heart and mind as, as, as we get into like different parts of this book. And many of you, like I said, I know you're very familiar with this book. You, you, you know James pretty well, but I, I do not want us to be surprised as God convicts us, as he shapes us, as he challenges us as we just hear it today, and then in the next couple months as we go through this book. So as, as God is, is stirring in you, if you've got a pen and you've got a physical Bible, man, make a mark there. Or if it's on your phone, highlight it there, because I don't want us to miss what, what God is doing. But let me pray, and then Dan's going to read to us, and, and then I'll come back up and close. Lord, I thank you for your word, uh, God, in if, if we're all honest, Lord, um, man, we do not value your word as, as much as it should be valued, uh, what a gift it is to us. Even the, the person in this room that has the highest view of scripture, man, we still don't get how, how incredible it is that, that you've given us your very word. So I pray for our hearts and minds, Lord, as I, I joked about how short our attention spans are. Lord, we need you to help us. Would you help us to, to really hear all of this letter and holy spirit we do pray that you would just have your way in us that, that you would shape us that we would not you would not let us remain lukewarm but that even today as we hear your word without anybody explaining it that you would change us lord we love you jesus amen all right i'll let dan take it away james a servant of god and of the lord jesus christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat 
and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy 
to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body? What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, that they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where selfish ambition and jealousy exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, 
impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence, you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. 
Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Yeah, you can clap for that. <clears throat> Dan doesn't want me to say this, but I wish he was on my Bible app. <laughs> yeah. Well, what a voice, but what a book, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm excited. In these five just jam-packed chapters, we get a lot of what we need to hear right now living in uh, this world. So we need God to use this letter from James for our walks with Christ, just like the original, the first hearers needed it, right? And, and, as, and as we're listening, I'm sure you, you realize, like, ah, they're, they're not that different from us, right? They, they're dealing with hardship. They're dealing with struggle and, and suffering, right? They're prone to hear God's word and get excited about it and then do nothing just like we can be, right? They're, they're tempted by worldliness. They're, they're tempted by, by riches, right? They, 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 they tend to favor certain types of people that they feel comfortable with or, or feel like can get them something. Like they're not that different from us. My, uh, my oldest uh, kid is getting ready to move away to college. A bunch of you know that. I think it's like 63 days away or something like that. Like time is, time is ticking. I estimated that sounds really precise. I just, it's not. It could be 68. I don't know. Um, and, and many of you, are, you've already been there, right? Your, your oldest or maybe all your kids uh, have already gone away. But man, the, the closer it gets, and I've been feeling this for more than a year. I'm like, gosh, there's so many things. So many things I need to tell him still, like so many conversations we still need to have, right? And so we're like chipping through those. I'm trying not to like overwhelm him. And, and he's actually, he's pretty good. Like he, he'll listen to me, right? I, in, inside his head, I don't know. Maybe he's thinking like that, I know. But, but at least on the outside, like it looks like he's really paying attention, which I, I appreciate. Um, you know, a lot of kids are not that way. I wasn't that way. Right, like my dad's telling me stuff, and, and and at least inside I'm going, come on, like I know that I'm not stupid, or I read that, or whatever. Um, man, James comes to us, and, and and it's 
it, it's way better than like what I'm trying to tell my kid before he leaves to college. James comes to us with, with all of this wisdom, right? He's, he's giving us what we need to live for Christ, to actually live out our faith in the midst of a fallen world. So, so we don't want to approach it, right? Like, like the kid that, that's getting ready to move out and, and parents are trying to tell him everything. We, we want to come with humility. We want to say, Holy Spirit, would you shape me? Would you, would, you, would you convict me? Would you encourage me? Would you, would you do whatever I need? I don't, I don't want to come to this book and be prideful. I want you, I want you to sanctify me. I want you to, to, to shape me more and more into the image of Jesus. So thank God for this book. I'm, I'm excited for these next couple months of, of getting into this. Next week we'll be, in, we'll be in chapter one, verses two through 18. I'd encourage you, read it over and over again this week. I'd encourage you, read through the whole whole book too. Maybe Dan will come over to your house and read it to you. I don't know. Um, but, but let's, he won't do that. <laughs> he will not do that. Um, but, but, but man, let's, let's dig in to, to this letter. I'm going to pray. Band's going to come up here. We'll, we'll get ready to take communion. Lord, thank you. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that, that we could even just take time right now just to, just to hear the book as a whole. And, and, and we don't know obviously exactly how you're going to work in us, but but I really love actually what Adam said there. This is a book that just doesn't, it doesn't let you remain lukewarm. And, and God, we, we, I pray that. Do not let us remain the same. God, don't, don't let any one of us be the, the same person a couple months from now or even a couple weeks from now. Would, would you shape us? Would you mold us? Would you make us to look more and more like Jesus? We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen.